Hello and welcome to Project Cask, the podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Renee Roquet, Mama to Rooney. And I'm Hitomi Kubo, Mama to Esme. And we're so happy you're here. This is a place for the cast community to gather and share our stories, deepen our connections, and learn from each other, and hopefully find joy and laughter as we travel this rare disease journey together. Welcome. Cask family, we are delighted to be back on the podcast with you. I know it has been a while since we've dropped episodes, and for good reason. By now, you may have seen that we have launched an innovative, rare disease nonprofit, Project Cask, driving breakthroughs for treatments and a cure for cask gene disorders, and we have hit the ground running. We have an amazing team of cask moms and dads, extended family, dear friends, and trusted advisors working on our boards. We feel incredibly blessed to have these leaders and our community. A few highlights of our progress in these last three months include Project CASC's partnership with the Orphan Disease Center, with whom we will be co-hosting the first ever multidisciplinary global meeting on CASC, the CASC Think Tank. We have also released our motto, rare as unicorns, strong as lions, and our spirit animal, the leacorn, part unicorn, part lion, who is a lot of glitter and a lot of roar, just like our kids. We have also begun to gather artists for the ultra rare collection, but more on that later. For now, Let's get to our interview with neurologist, Dr. Lori Seltzer, registered dietitian, Leanne Haben, and cask mama, Christine Phillips. Hello, cask community. So it has been a little bit of a hiatus on the podcast, but we are very excited today to jump back in with a topic that we know is of great interest to everybody. So we have our first uh, repeat cask parent on, on the episode today, Christine Phillips, and we are going to talk about the keto diet. So, Christine, maybe you could introduce our additional guests. Absolutely. Thanks, Hitomi. Um, when Renee and Hitomi asked me about possibly talking about keto, um, I did not feel that I had enough of the background to truly talk about it in a way that would be beneficial to everyone outside of Emmy's life. Um, so what we discussed possibly bringing on board our neurologist and registered dietitian who work together to, um, start, maintain and tweak Emmy's keto diet and keep her seizures pretty well under control. So on the podcast, we have Dr. Lori Seltzer, who is a neurologist from the University of Rochester, um, the pediatric neurology department and, uh, registered dietitian Leanne Haben, who is our dietitian and 
writes all of our recipes and is pretty much my lifeline when it comes to keto. Uh, <laughs> also working with the pediatric neurology department at the University of Rochester. Great. Thank you so much, Christine. And thank you again, Dr. Seltzer and Leanne Haben for being with us today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. So maybe we can start, Leanne, just to kind of set the stage with you. If you could just even explain to everybody what constitutes a ketogenic diet. Sure. Yeah. So we consider a ketogenic diet to be something that's a very low carb and very high fat. Those are kind of the two core features of it. Um, there's also some protein thrown in there. We always, you know, we're primarily using this diet with kiddos. So we want to make sure we're getting enough protein in their diet so that they're going to grow. Um, but really at its core, it's a very, very low carb, very high fat diet. And kind of our goal with the diet is that we're sort of switching the body's main fuel source from being carbs, which is what most of us eat day to day. Um, it's our primary nutrition source. So we're switching that main energy source from carbs over to fat. Um, and metabolically, when you're using mostly fat for energy, you break that down into ketone bodies, which is how these diets got their name as a ketogenic diet. Um, and those ketone bodies are something that we can measure in the blood to, to look at, you know, effectiveness of the diet. And, um, and, and it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a, been a, a helpful therapy for seizures since the 1920s. So um, it's come a long way and we love that we get to use it for kiddos like Emmy. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that it had been around that long for, for epilepsy um, or treating seizures. Maybe we can jump now to Dr. Seltzer and just give us a little bit of the thinking behind why the ketogenic diet helps with epilepsy. Sure. So there was probably several mechanisms on what makes the ketogenic diet work for epilepsy treatment. Um, one is that, so we, most people eat a lot of carbohydrates or sugars to have our energy and it gives us fast energy. Um, and the brain needs energy, right? And seizures need a lot of energy. And somehow doing the ketogenic diet and using fats as our primary energy source rather than sugar or carbohydrates helps with that um, controlling that fast energy source. Um, it helps with upregulating our inhibitory systems with GABA and decreasing the uh, excitatory system with glutamate. And there's also thought that um, the microbiome in the gut is also um, part of this and that we do know gut bacteria can help with brain health um, and overall with those shifts of increasing GABA and decreasing glutamate. So again, probably there are multiple ways that the ketogenic diet is helpful in treating seizures. Dr. Seltzer, have you found that there are um, specific types of epilepsy that respond better to the keto diet and those that don't respond well? Well, to, honestly, one of the really nice things about the keto diet is that it can be used in all different types of epilepsy. And whenever we see somebody new, we're treating for seizures, we always wanna try to figure out what the cause is. So whether they had a history of a stroke or they have a genetic change like a cast mutation or, or many different causes. Um, 
certain medicines can help depending on what the cause may be, but keto can be really helpful in, in lots of different causes of epilepsy. So um, there's, I would say that um, anybody who has treatment resistant seizures and medications are just not working can think about a dietary treatment for seizures. Is there a specific age that, um, you know, we have a lot of infants that are having seizures and maybe they're nursing or they're on formula. Is there, you know, how, is there an age range that's better for the diet? Yeah. So we use keto in infants for sure. I mean, we've even used it in the um, neonatal intensive care unit. So in our youngest patients, um, and it can be done safely. Uh, it's very closely watched by the, the doctors and our dietitian, Leanne, but um, it can be used in the youngest patients and it can be used in, in older patients as well. Um, I think one thing is when um, the younger patients sometimes can be a little easier because if they're getting their food from formula, it's easier to switch to a ketogenic formula um, in that case, mm. as opposed to an older or older person or child that may be harder to change their diet. They may be more resistant. Yeah. I was thinking, you know, even like with a toddler, it might be difficult if they're eating by mouth to get them to change their diet, especially with the carbs. My, both of my girls and myself <laughs> love, <laughs> love carbs. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I would think that that would be a bit of a step, a hurdle to get over. Um, yeah. Yeah. For us with Emmy, I never really even considered the keto, knowing that it was a treatment that we could potentially get to. I didn't really consider it until she was primarily G-tube fed. Simply because when she was eating by mouth a couple of years ago, she was very inconsistent. And so being worried about what it was that she actually ate and if mm -hmm. I could stay in ratio based on what things she chose to eat and whatnot would have been nearly impossible, I think, for Emmy. Now, for some kids, I'm sure it's fine, but for her, it would not have worked out. So the G-tube is our saving grace with this in my eyes. <laughs> I think one thing also for kids who are not formula fed and eating by mouth, um, Leanne has some really wonderful ideas and really works with families to try and get uh, foods that they will eat and different recipes. Um, so even it, it's not an easy diet, but even in kids who are older, we're able to do it. Yeah, I'd say keto's come a long way in terms of the the food options. You know, we can when you think about like what a typical keto meal might look like for for a young kiddo who is eating by mouth. Um, you know, generally we think about having a good protein food on the plate, having a carbohydrate food, and and then the case of keto, most of our kiddos, the carbohydrate food is a fruit or a vegetable. Um, and then a lot of our kids will actually drink heavy cream instead of drinking, you know, like a glass of milk at meals. And then we have another fat source. So those are kind of your four main, main food components. And so you can have really simplistic keto meals where here's your grilled chicken 
and your green beans and you're putting butter over both of those and then you're drinking a glass of heavy cream. Um, but we can also make keto chicken nuggets with a special dip that's made out of, you know, mayonnaise and seasonings so that it still has some, some good taste to it. We can make keto muffins and keto pancakes. Um, we've, we really can do a lot of cool stuff now with keto baking to get outside of just that very simplistic kind of boring <laughs> keto <laughs> meal that you might think of typically. Can you know, you mentioned milk. Can you, I know a lot of our kids and mine in particular have a sensitivity to dairy and gluten. I don't know if gluten is relevant in the question, but can you do the keto diet as a gluten-free, dairy-free individual? You can. So the gluten-free piece is actually really pretty easy because gluten is a carb. Um, True. So since this True. is a low-carb diet, it kind of ends up naturally being fairly gluten-free um, in most cases. And then from the dairy perspective, we, we do have some kiddos on the diet who are dairy-free. And um, in a couple instances, we use a canned coconut cream in place of that milk cream. Um, and then there are tons of dairy-free fat options, you know, oils, um, lots of the alternative dairy-free spreads that kind of mimic butter are really still just as high in fat um, as regular butter. So we, we definitely can make it work um, as far as food allergies or intolerances go. Yeah, Emmy's is actually dairy-free, um, not because of an intolerance or anything like that. Although now that I think about it, she's been a lot healthier and a lot less mucusy since we started the keto diet as well, so maybe she does. But um, yes, I actually just blended today and I usually cook, free, cook, measure, freeze, and then when I need to blend, blend. Um, and so I just blended six days worth of meals today and, and froze another eight days worth of meals. But um, she does avocado, olive oil, ground chicken, and then fruit and a vegetable and lately her fruit has been strawberries and her vegetable has been beets mostly because I like when the blend comes out pink and <laughs> or brown so I, I try to choose like beets strawberries spinach things that give a really bright pretty color I think Emmy appreciates that <laughs> Christine what do you find in terms of cost um I don't really think any different than buying for one extra member of your family. Okay. I mean, we grab whole bags of avocados when they're on sale. And mm -hmm. then when they get ripe, we cut them in half and freeze them in halves and use them like that. So that's not bad. Um, so I at all times have like tons of avocados in my freezer. I have <laughs> found that the more that I can use frozen, like I use frozen strawberries and I use um, avocado that I then cut and freeze Ground chicken is very um, cost effective, and that's why we use it a lot. It's also very easy for me to cook very quickly, um, mm -hmm. and that's why we use it a lot. It blends very easily. Um, but, yeah, I find that kind of thing to be best. I've used regular, like, whole beets, and I've also used canned beets. But with the canned beets, I'm very careful to make sure it's literally beets in water. No, like, mm -hmm. salt added, nothing else added. Um, but, yeah, there's definitely ways to make it faster, to make it easier, to do less cooking, um, and to make it more cost effective, but it's just finding the, you got to get used to it. You got to figure it all out for yeah. takes time. For those people that do use formula and don't have the time to, or, or haven't invested in blending their own food, 
are there options for formula fed kids for the keto diet as well? Yeah, we, we do have like commercially available, ready to feed um, keto formula. So basically, you know, the comparative to your pediatrician, we have, we have that in, in keto form and there's a couple different brands out there and options. We have milk-based ones. We now have pea or plant-based ones. There's mm-hmm. one um, kind of blended option from the company functional formularies. That's kind of, that's whole foods blended up um, in, into the formula. So we definitely have a lot of options. And then, you know, we have folks that we get to the stage of wanting to do homemade blends. Um, in Emmy's case, that ended up being a much better tolerated option mm-hmm. for her, which Christine can probably speak to. Yeah. So before, so we started keto on Thanksgiving day last year. Um, <laughs> a lot of people <laughs> thought that was crazy, but to me, like she couldn't eat what we were eating for Thanksgiving meal. So why not? start her own special meal. So that's what we did. Um, And of course, I, as a teacher, I also was off the day before Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving and the day after and then the weekend. So I figured that gave me, you know, five days to prepare and do it and make it all happen. So that's how we started. Um, And we started with formula because um, I said to Leanne at the time, I was like, I want to start with formula and do it for at least six months. Um, because often it can take that long before you see many benefits. And so I wanted to do that because I didn't want the reason that keto didn't work for Emmy to be because I was messing up blending. I was so (laughs) paranoid. Um, So we started with formula and um, she did really well for like the first five days or maybe it was a little over a week. Um, And then all of a sudden she was vomiting at least once every single day, which anyone who has a kid with a G-tube knows that sometimes that happens, but it doesn't happen every day constantly or it shouldn't. <laughs> Prior to starting keto, we actually had been blending her food as well. Um, I usually would combine some of her formula that she had along with whatever we were eating and blend it together just to keep her on some real food. And um, she had tolerated that really well. So I, you know, after I think it was 10 straight days of, of vomiting, I said to Leanne, I was like, what do you think? And she's like, let's try the, <laughs> let's try blending. So um, we actually had a freak snowstorm happening that day. And I like ran to the grocery store. Leanne quickly made me some recipes. I ran to the grocery store and grabbed what I needed so I could get her started. And we switched her over to blended food. And within 48 hours, she stopped vomiting and we haven't had an issue. Wow. Um, so for Emmy, we've, I don't know. She's just, I think it's her body has always, you know, she didn't start out with a G-tube and she never had formula as a baby. She was a breastfed baby. Um, and then she, she started with real food, like a typical child. And, um, I think her body just wanted food, like food that I cooked and, or maybe just wanted to make my life more difficult. I'm not sure, but um, (laughs) she's thriving on the real food as opposed to the formula. Now we do have formula backup. Um, We've worked with Leanne to find a formula that she will tolerate for at least a few days in a row. So we can have at least, I think we have two cases here of formula just in case. Um, So if anything happened or anything happened to me and I, for whatever reason, wasn't able to blend for a few days, she won't starve. Um, We have options that can keep her on plan without me or without my blender or without whatever, all of that power, whatever happens. So maybe continuing on from there, Leanne, can you share a little bit about 
what a typical meal plan looks like for a child and some of the sort of key considerations in preparing ketogenic meals? Yeah, so so I talked a little bit about kind of the sort of our basic meal structure being, you know, looking for a protein food, a fruit or a vegetable, and then kind of balancing it out with that fat. Um, so we prescribe classic ketogenic diets, which is what Emmy's on, in terms of a ratio. Um, and this ratio is grams of fat to grams of protein and carb combined. Um, and generally these ratios vary from like a two to one up to a four to one with a four to one ratio being four grams of fat for again, every one gram of protein and carb combined. Um, that four to one ratio is 90% of your calories are, are coming from fat. Um, and so I, I do all of this math behind the scenes. We actually have a really nice program called Keto Diet Calculator, which is funded through the Charlie Foundation, which is our national ketogenic diet um, resource center. Um, so I, I have all of that math done behind the scenes so that I can tell families, here's how many grams you need to weigh of each individual food component to get to that goal ratio. Um, so that's how Christine makes her blends for Emmy. She has these recipes for me with, with set grams of, of all those individual food components. And that's how we kind of mix them together. Um, and, and with that, we have to be pretty specific in some things. So like my kiddos who are eating meals by mouth, um, if we're having, if we have like bacon in the meal, for example, we have to be brand specific um, on what brand of bacon they're using. Because believe it or not, different brands of bacon have different grams of fat, protein, and carb, you know, per slice. And then even then per slices, you know, the slices are going to be different gram amounts. So that's really why we use that gram scale to be as specific as we can be um, in, in measuring and weighing everything. Um, and sometimes how we cook the foods matter as well. So, you know, if we're weighing a cooked, you know, chicken breast, we want to make sure that we're cooking that chicken breast in a way where we're not really changing the nutrition um, too much. So like, I wouldn't want to deep fry that chicken breast because then you're adding a bunch of fat to it. Mm -hmm. um, so often we will grill it or pan sear it, um, really kind of trying to cook it in a way where we're not adding a bunch of extra stuff to it. And I, I'd like to just add that this, this is a lot. And I, we recognize for families that there's so much to learn when starting the ketogenic diet. Mm -hmm. And so there is a, a lot of teaching that happens um, where like for us, Leanne will work very closely with families to teach them how to weigh the foods and um, how to use, you know, or look at keto calculator and things like that. So um, it's not like, it, people just do this blindly. It's, it's very much um, a lot of teaching and um, guidance through the whole process. Yeah, I wanted to, to speak on that too. And just say like, this definitely isn't something that would be safe to do alone. <laughs> you have to have a team that you, you know, you really respect and you really trust. And for us, that's Dr. Seltzer and Leanne, and they've been there every step of the way. And I literally could not do this without, I mean, the first two months, I probably talked to Leanne at least every other day, just trying to get everything working, <laughs> um, several meetings to get everything set up and going. Um, traditionally, it starts with a hospitalization for, is it three days, Leanne? Yeah, usually it, it's 
we start the diet over three days, but usually you're in the hospital for a good five, five days to get it going. Yeah. In our case, um, we happened up here in New York state, New York, or upstate New York to have an outrageous spike of RSV right at the time we were supposed to be starting. We actually were supposed to start the diet in September of last year. And we just kept having to push back because there weren't beds to admit her since it took that long. Um, and so we eventually ended up doing a series of Zoom meetings and um, a very, very slow start for Emmy over a, over a period of like a month before we were able to get her fully on board um, because we didn't ha- end up with that option. But it worked out. <laughs> um, but again, like it's not something I ever could have even dreamed of doing alone or anything like that. And I, I never would because it's not it's so prescribed and specific and there's so much knowledge behind it. And that's a big part of why I didn't feel comfortable even really talking about it without Leanne and Dr. Seltzer here with the, the true knowledge base. Um, a question for Dr. Seltzer, are there any, or actually Leanne as well, but are there any contradictions uh, metabolically, mitochondrial dysfunction, um, um, you know, the ability to process fats. I actually know that my daughter's not able to process fats well, and we have a supplement for her. Are there con- considerations that should be made? Yeah. So whenever we're considering trying the ketogenic diet for a patient, we do some basic metabolic labs uh, that look at the body's ability to break down fats. So a contraindication for the diet would be someone who just does not break down fats well. So that if we gave you a diet that's mostly fat, um, you wouldn't get the energy you need and and could become very sick. So um, there's some disorders that you people need carbohydrates or they can't use certain types of fats. So starting with doing this metabolic testing is important. And um, anyone who we consider the ketogenic diet for, we need, we do those tests first. Um, we do use the ketogenic diet in, in, in some mitochondrial disorders. So it's not that it can't be used. But again, we, we check things very carefully. We, every three months, do labs to make sure the liver tests look okay, the kidneys, all the electrolytes, um, and do blood count. Um, check vitamin and, and mineral levels. So um, it's, it's something that's watched so closely as well as growth to make sure kids are gaining weight appropriately and growing the way they need to. Yes, our cast girls are, are known for being small. And um, since starting keto a year ago, we have had to do, <laughs> move Emmy's calories per day down by like 10% twice. So <laughs> oh, it definitely <laughs> helps her grow. <laughs> yeah. uh, Dr. Seltzer, you, you mentioned um, in the beginning that, uh, you know, it's it you would consider this as a, um, an option for someone if they're um, medicine treatment resistant. Sort of at what point in the process do you start considering uh, the potential of a keto diet, talking to a family about that? And then also just how does that work if they are on medicines? Can you start the diet while they're still on it? How, how does that process happen? Yeah, so I start thinking about the ketogenic diet once someone has failed um, to... Seizure medication. So okay. at that point, they're considered 
um, intractable and, mm-hmm. and, and more difficult to treat. So that's when we could start thinking about it. And there are different levels to the diet. We didn't really talk about this yet, but the ketogenic diet, I think of as the most, um, uh, the the biggest change and and requires the most uh, measuring of foods and, and, and closely regulating. Then there's a modified Atkins diet, which is still tough, but it's, um, it allows some more carbohydrate and is better maybe for some older, older children. Mm-hmm. And then the low glycemic index diet is the most lenient as far as amount of carbohydrates someone can have, but it's still 40 to 60 grams of carb a day, which I don't know if you've ever tried to carb restrict yourself. That's still not a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and depending on if they're like a teenager, we may say, why don't we try the low glycemic index diet first to see if they get any benefit from that. Because again, it's, it's the least restrictive requires the least amount of monitoring. Um, so yeah, when i when someone's failed two medicines, we need to start thinking about, are there other things that could help? And, I, and can they take some of those medicines while oh, you transition? Yes, yeah. absolutely. In fact, they, we say to people that expect to take your medications. If after time, we see that seizure control gets better while on the diet, mm-hmm. then maybe we can start to reduce medications. But initially, all we keep medications the same when we start the diet. Okay. Um, and we also need to change for a lot of kids, they take the liquid or suspension form of medicine. So we, we need to change all medications to a tablet form. So um, there's fewer carbohydrates. Oh, wow. Okay. Do you have to wait until two medications fail or can you be proactive while you're working on figuring out medications and, and um, look into the keto diet or does that, is that based on insurance or how might that work? So you could start to think about it, but to be honest, it's a lot. The ketogenic diet is a lot of effort as you can hear, (laughs) Um, Christine tell you how she blends all of Emmy's foods and all the monitoring that needs to be done. So we don't really recommend it for kids that are treatable with medication because the keto has its own difficulties. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some metabolic disorders in which the ketogenic diet is considered the treatment of choice. Um, one called um, GLUT1 or glucose transporter deficiency. Um, And in that case, we would consider keto first as the treatment, but that's, that's not typical. That's more of a rare case. Okay. Thank you. And when would you anticipate seeing changes in seizure activity once someone's started the ketogenic diet? So some people, it can happen and we hope sooner. So I would say sooner within, let's say weeks, but sometimes it takes longer to see Mm -hmm. the effect. And also sometimes we need to make adjustments to Mm -hmm. the diet. So um, for example, we may need to increase the ratios. So from a two to one to a three to one, or if they're not tolerating it, decrease the ratio back from a three to one to a two to one. So we ask families to, to give, if we start at a three month 
trial period. So it gives time to see if it will work and also time for us to help make adjustments so it's better tolerated and uh, give it its best shot. Mm -hmm. Christine, can you give us a little update on um, how Emmy's been doing lately and and um, how the keto has affected her overall um, care? Yeah, so I'll kind of um, speak to Emmy for a lot of the information that we just heard from Dr. Seltzer. And um, we started to see benefits within about a month. Um, her She was having multiple... Um, events per day and within about a month of starting keto even with the vomiting and whatnot that we had to pass through um, we were seeing like it dropped down to one or two a week Um, and we sat there for a little bit at the one or two a week range Um, I think we did some tweaks and went up on ratio and things like that Um, and eventually we stopped seeing seizures for the most part maybe once every 10 to 14 days um, which was really great. Um, we did end up coming off of her Kepra. She was on Kepra just at night in addition to her auntie. I know auntie is a super popular um, task med uh, for seizures. So we did end up coming off of her Kepra and that seemed to work just fine. So we were able to drop one med. Um, but then we, as we got farther into it, um, I wanted to try to drop some of her on fee, at least her daytime on fee, because um, she was doing so well. So last I attempted to drop her daytime on fee, and actually over a period of two to three weeks, we were able to take it off. Um, but a couple of weeks after that, she started having some like startles that were suspicious of, of additional activity. So we've since put that back on and actually increased it a, a tiny bit, and she's now having nothing at all. Um, I actually would have to look back in my book to see the last time that she had a seizure. It's been a significant amount of time. Um, From a growth standpoint, she has has grown. She's grown significantly since getting her G-tube in December of 2021. But she's grown significantly since starting keto. Her body seems to just thrive off this type of nutrition. And like I said earlier, we, you know, we've had to reduce her calories a couple times. And a lot of that (laughs) is probably, you know, Emmy... Um, everybody in the, most people in the community know of, know of Emmy and she, um, she's not mobile. So she, she doesn't sit independently. She doesn't crawl on the floor or anything like that. So she wouldn't need as many calories as a typical, um, kid or even many of our cast kids who are more mobile, um, would. So we've adjusted and adjusted and, um, whatnot. And I think we finally found a spot where she's not gaining as often. As much as I love that she's finally starting to fill out a little bit. Um, those cheeks are getting rosy. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, she, so from those standpoints, she's doing great. No, you know, no seizures. She's tolerating the diet really well. She's um, handling, uh, she's sleeping really well. For the most part, she used to wake up from seizures frequently and the night. Most of her seizures typically happened at night. Um, so she's she's sleeping well. She's growing well. She has energy. She's much happier. Um, and obviously, these things were very gradual. I have to think back like, okay, what did it look like a year ago to really be able to say, yeah, she's happier. And she is healthier with, you know, some pulmonary changes that we made last fall after a 10-day RSV um, admission that she had this exact time last year. Um, but it also, 
could just be that she's stronger now. Um, and it's probably a little bit of all of that, but the keto diet has just been really, really great for Emmy. That's so good to hear. Yeah. When you were speaking, I was thinking, and maybe this happens, um, but how amazing it would be if uh, early intervention sort of feeding support when it made sense for a child could integrate some of this. We, we received nutrition support for Esme um, and it's been amazing. Uh, and it would be, she doesn't have seizures at this point, so we wouldn't think about the ketogenic diet, but we have thought of, about, you know, taking her to see a functional medicine doctor and just the gut health thing that uh, Dr. Seltzer, you also mentioned, I think it was you or Leanne mentioned in the beginning. Yeah. Um, and so even having just broader nutritional support, having registered dietitians as part of the EI program would be amazing. Um, but I guess there's probably a shortage in general. Yeah, there are some. I, we have a dietitian here that is part-time here at at strong and and part-time through early intervention so i know there are some programs that have that support which is great yeah where might uh you know people that are listening where would they go first to find doctors and registered dietitians like yourself for keto specifically keto specifically yeah yeah, so the Charlie Foundation is where I would go first. They have a really great resource, you know, state by state of all of the centers that have have the support of a dietitian and an epileptologist like Dr. Seltzer who can, can help patients on keto. Yeah, and also um, even if your particular neurologist doesn't have the knowledge of keto or work with a dietitian, they if, if they think that it could be a, a good thing to try can refer you to an epilepsy center that has um, doctors and dietitians that are uh, has experience with doing it. Yeah, that was actually our exact situation. Um, I've talked before about Dr. David Bearden at Strong um, and how great he was for Emmy and how supportive his clinic was and how much help um, they were to us. And that's sort of what allowed me to make the jump to keto comfortably is that Dr. Bearden told me that uh, Dr. Seltzer and Leanne were an amazing team and we'd be in just as good of hands because I used to talk to his NPs all the time too for seizure control. So um, I really, my biggest piece of advice for anyone who's, you know, not had easily treatable epilepsy and they're thinking about keto as a, a direction to go in is you have to find a team that you you feel really comfortable with because you do work so closely in order to manage all of this. So I think we've talked um, a lot about how um, purposeful and thoughtful, and of course, I think, you know, with uh, medical support, one needs to be with the, the keto diet. So Christine, maybe as kind of a way to wrap this up, can you share with us a little bit, just some tips for other families about how you've made that work you know, you know, the tricks you use to be able to do all the blending and, and um, freezing. And I know you've passed on these tricks to some other cast parents, but just maybe to help it not seem so overwhelming for people who might start down this road. Yeah. So our process, when I first started, like going from recipe from Leanne online to a finished product that was able to go into Emmy's tube used to take me one to two hours a week. Um, which my husband and I both work full time. You know, we have two girls, two dogs, 
a house that's way bigger than we have any business having, but it was accessible to Emmy, so we bought it anyway. Um, <laughs> so a lot more to take care of that I really need in my life. Um, so I really didn't have that time, but we found it because it was going to work for Emmy. And now, like I said today, I blended five days worth of meals and prepared and froze an additional 18 days worth of or eight days worth of meals. So, you know, that's five, or six and eight. That's 14. I do teach math. Um, uh, 14 days. That's two weeks worth of meals that are either prepped or completely ready. And I probably spent about 30 to 35 minutes doing all of that. Um, and so it's a lot less time I spent than I spent. <laughs> yeah. So you get used to it. You know, you get, yeah. you get your processes down, you figure out what works best. The hardest parts were making sure that I got all of the figuring out how to most efficiently measure the oil. Um, because after I measured it, I then had to make sure I got all the oil out of the container I measured it in because you're weighing it and you need all of that in the blender. And so that was something that I really got stuck on for a long time until I thought about syringes, which was wonderful. But, um, yeah, so my typical process is I usually either cook or blend on any particular day. And I usually do one or the other, like once a week. Um, but I cook up the parts that need to be cooked, which for Emmy's typical blend is just ground chicken. And I could do different blends all the time, but I don't. We keep it easy. We keep it cost effective. Um, mm -hmm. So I cook up her ground chicken and uh, then I use like takeout containers. Like I think of them as like Chinese takeout containers. Um, but I use those and I measure out exactly two days worth of of everything for her. So the recipes we have from Leanne are all measured out for one full day's worth of recipes. So I double that and I put it all, um, measure it all out and put it into the containers and freeze it that way. That way mm -hmm. on a day when I'm going to blend, I just pull it out, I defrost it a little bit and then I blend it. And then it essentially goes into a squeezy container, um, which is a very popular container in the, the G-Tube world. Um, mm -hmm. that holds six ounces, which is exactly her volume. And I put it in the freezer. And that way, when I need it, or Emmy's nurse needs it, we just take a couple out and let them thaw in the fridge um, overnight for the next day. And we're good to go. And this summer, we went to Virginia Tech for the intensive. And we actually froze the entire 30 days worth of food in breast milk bags, Lansano breast milk bags, since they're six ounces. And that's what her volume mm -hmm. is. And I froze it all and put it in an ice chest. And we brought her entire month's worth of food to Virginia with us and <laughs> threw out the bags as we were done. And it was actually wow. the nicest month of my life because I didn't have to blend and cook and measure um, <laughs> for an entire month. But I just, for that, I had a blending party. I had some friends over and they just helped me stock by, I mean, hundreds of bags of food for Emmy. Um, the next thing I'm going to look into to make this even simpler, a little bit more prep, but also a little easier. And I don't know, Dr. Seltzer or Leanne, if you know anybody that does this, but I'm thinking about trying to freeze dry. So blending and then freeze drying it and then re-blending into a powder. So when we go on vacation in April, Emmy's first real vacation, I can just bring the powder and mix it with water. Um, so I don't know, I'm thinking about that, but I just am always on the hunt for like little tips and tricks to make it easier and you know, over the course of this last year, we have, we've gotten it from two hours a week to like 35 minutes. Wow. Christine, you have taken a really complex 
overwhelming idea and, you know, plan. And I feel like you've really made it fit for yourself and listening to you talk about it. It it sounds much more accessible and doable. Like I feel like you're not going above and beyond for what it is, you know, keeping it simple, keeping it, you know, consistent and, and doable. Um, I really appreciate you sharing. And I, I really value you in our community, just in what you share and how you do and how you go about things. My gosh, you guys have full-time jobs and you're still doing this and it's really incredible. So I just really appreciate um, you being willing to share and, and whatnot. Absolutely. Um, on that note, are there, maybe we can go through and with any um, final thoughts from, from each of us, maybe we'll start with Dr. Seltzer, um, go on to Leanne and then Christine and um, yeah, any final thoughts that you have for our community? Um, I'll just say that again, I, I think keto could be a great option for all different types of epilepsy and I give so much credit to the families that we work with as, you know, Christine and it, it's, it's not the easiest, but people make it work. And um, so it, it is doable. And with help from like Leanne, who works very closely with the families and has such wonderful ideas, it takes this really complicated um, diet and makes it doable in most circumstances. Yeah, I, I love being a keto dietitian. It's such a, a cool area of nutrition and dietetics. Um, I love that I become so close with the families that we have on the diet and, and do, you know, chat with them so often. And I learned so much from them, too. I mean, Christine has become, you know, this stellar blending mom, you know, she's <laughs> She's the a perfect example of, of how you can make this work and, and make it effective and still efficient um, for your family. So I, I find this job so rewarding and, and keto so rewarding. Um, and I'm so, I, I love that it's this therapy option for families and that we get the chance to work with, work with kiddos like Emmy and, and make a difference in their seizures. For me, I would just say like, you know, you, Renee, you said how this is something that, that seems so overwhelming and I've found a way to make it, you know, kind of typical and normal in our household. And the big part of that to me is just finding your groove, I guess, and just accepting that this is what's best for my kids. So this is how we're going to figure out how to prioritize it and make it happen. And I know like we all do that in this community because we don't really have any other choice. And so with M, she'd failed five medications and to me, there was no other choice. So we just found another way to make it work. And all things are possible with, you know, the support of our community, because that's really all of these ideas and things I've come up with have been from other people, either in our community or other G-Tube or keto or blending communities. And so just I'm so grateful for that um, and for super supportive um, staff in Dr. Seltzer and Leanne as well. We could not at all do this without them. Well, I know everybody is, is very busy, but I think I'm hearing that there needs to be a um, ketogenic uh, 
diet well i know there are um cookbooks but like one specific to children maybe christine if you figure out this freeze-dried technique <laughs> that piqued my interest i need to put a little cookbook together um but on that note i just want to thank all three of you really this has been such an informative and interesting and helpful i think really useful and practical episode for the community so thank you so much um one of these days i think i already have some questions that I'd love to ask uh, in the future. So one day we might bring you back, but promise not to do it too soon. I know this um, took a lot of time and we really appreciate you giving that to the CAST community. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed that episode. If you have topics you'd like us to cover or people you think we should invite, or if you'd like to come on, join the conversation and share your story, please send us a note at hello at projectcask.org. And stay tuned. There is so much more to come. Keep an eye out for podcast episodes. Follow us on your favorite social channels at Project Cask. And sign up to receive our newsletter and other updates on our website, projectcask.org. And keep an eye out also for the ultra-rare collection. New things are coming down the pike all the time. Until next time. Keep kicking cask.